Well, listen, so again, my name is Ryan. I'm the youth and college pastor. This is Dr. Brent Baskin. We've been going through a series for the last two weeks called Untangling Anxiety. Um, and that is, that's our goal. Our goal is to help you guys talk through anxiety. We all have anxiety at different times, some of us more so than others. And, and there's a, I mean, I've said this every week, but there's a lot of push towards um, self-care and mental health. And all these, are, you guys are receiving all these messages um, from the media and from the world. And this is an important topic, okay? And so we want to be sure the church is involved in that conversation, right? We want to be sure you guys are hearing not just from the world, which has some good things to say and some not good things to say, right? But we also want to make sure you guys are hearing from God's Word, aka the Bible. Um, quick thing too, if you don't own a Bible, right? If you don't own a Bible, we have several different ones in the back. That is our gift to you. So please just come and let me know or Brent or one of your small group leaders uh, or any of the adults here that you don't have a Bible and we'll give you one, okay? Does that make sense? So without further ado, what we're going to do tonight is a little bit different. So the first week of our series, I kind of walked through the, the, the biblical, the theological side of anxiety. Last week, Brent kind of shared some of his story and walked through kind of practical things to help deal with anxiety. And then this week, we're just going to do a Q&A. So over the last two weeks, you guys have had time to go online to pvnstudents.org and then click on About, and then there's a suggestion box. And this, this can go as long as you want. The suggestion box, it, it's not closed now, right? Um, you can log into, into pvnstudents.org, go to the suggestion box, and you can click on any, um, excuse me, you can enter any question about anything, and it's totally anonymous, all right? Please don't abuse that privilege, right? Um, but you can ask questions, or you can, Kendra, can you ask Misty if we're recording, just to be sure we're good to go? I think we are, but I just want to make sure. Um, but you can, you can ask any question that you want, and we'll try to address it. Does that make sense? Cool? Um, thank you. Okay, perfect. Um, so that's kind of where we are tonight. You guys have su suggested some questions, and some of them are quite the question. Some of them are very intense, which is good. That's what we want. And some of them are, are just more curious, which is great too, okay? So we're going to answer these questions as best we can, uh, and then we're going to open it up to you guys if you have any extra questions. And if we get out early, nobody's going to be mad. You know what I'm saying, right? So it's going to be good. Um, so without further ado, let's, let's take it away. Our first question, let's start with, with a humdinger, if you will. Uh, excuse my language. Can I, here's the question. Wait, that's a bad word, humdinger? I don't think so. Okay, just making sure. Is it a bad, I don't know. Are we all, it's on the Christian gonna, list, right? Am I going to get any emails from parents at the end of the night? Um, Caravan, it's on the Christian list, humdinger. Are we good? Okay. Are we good? We good, Caravan? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Right, go. Um, he, here's the first question. Can, so, so I'll open with this one. Can I take medicine for my anxiety? Can I take medicine for my anxiety? Is that okay? Um, and this is a good question, because when it comes, and we talked about this a little bit when we walked through Proverbs in the summertime, there's some question when it comes to the Christian faith, when it comes to medicine for, um, and I wouldn't just put anxiety in here, I would put depression and some other things like that. Can I use medicine, or are you supposed to, you know, pray your way through it? Are you supposed, what do you do? What is, what is right, what is wrong when it comes to anxiety and medication? So three kind of quick tips or pointers when it comes to medication. Um, and when I say medication, I'm not, in my mind, I'm not talking about um, you have knee pain or back pain, you need aspirin, or your stomach hurts and you're taking 
Mylanta, you know what I'm talking about? Um, or, or things like, or Benadryl, like because you have a cold, or they, that's not what I'm talking about here. We're talking about, um, what's the best way to say this? Prescription mental health. Um, long-term care. Yeah, long-term, yeah, yeah, yeah. Prescription long-term uh, medication. Does that make sense? Are we on the same page with that? Um, so here are three things, just three tips, and then Brent's going to give his two cents as well, and then we'll, we'll keep going. Um, and let's, let's save questions for the end, right? If you have a question about something we've said, that's good, but let's save that for the end as well. Cool? All right, number one, so the first tip I would say is I, I encourage, when it comes to should you take medication or not for your anxiety, I would encourage what I would call slowness, and here's what I mean. That's not a no. It's not a no. But one thing to remember is God has a purpose in your pain, the thing that you're nervous about, the thing that you can't shake, the, 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 the dark thing that you're going through, that's all over the Bible, right? Job, Joseph, Moses, Christ himself was called the man of sorrows, right? Um, so sadness is a part, anxiousness is a part of life. And some of it is, is about how big of a part do you make that. But some of it's a part, so I would be, and, and sometimes... We're too quick to try to numb that pain, whether it be medication or television, right? Self-medication, or forget about it, or bury it, or we don't think about it, or we laugh through it, or we just don't, you know, like, we're too quick to ignore it, and so we might miss what God is trying to do in it, right? So that's the first thing I would say is don't immediately, your, your knee-jerk first reaction should not be, I need medication for this. That shouldn't be the first thing. That should come after you've talked to people about it. Does that make sense? So I encourage slowness. Um, look at your anxiety. What is causing your anxiety? Is it one particular person that's just making your life miserable? Because if that's the case, I, wouldn't, I, I again would steer away from medication. You or somebody needs to talk to that person or you need to remove yourself from that situation. Again, I don't know that, it, that medication is the first thing I would do. Um, I get nervous when I sit with people. Well, is it people when you're at church, but at school you're okay? Is it vice versa? Is it this friend group, but not that friend group? Because you see, if it's not all the time, then there's a specific area that needs to be addressed. And it may not be through medication. So again, it's not a no, but I encourage slowness. The second thing is mental health, and this is more the medicine side, mental health is not just a spiritual thing. You may not be able to pray your way or fast your way or read your Bible through this situation. Um, physical damage happens to the brain, chemical imbalances, etc. We are not just souls. You're a body and a soul, right? Your soul is in your body. They are connected. It's not just a body and a soul. They're connected, right? Um, everything is spiritual, but not everything is just spiritual. You see what I mean? When you eat food, food is supposed to point us to how satisfying God is, but that food has physical effects on your body, right? Not everything is just spiritual. We have bodies that need to be taken care of so our souls can flourish. Sometimes medicine is good. The ones that I was reading said sometimes medicine is good because it helps you bring it back together so that you can focus on spiritual stuff. Does that make sense? Whereas if you're just trying to pray your way through it and it's not getting better, then you're, you're damaging your body and your soul. And last thing... Medicine should always be accompanied by action, in my mind. Um, and Brent said this while we were backstage, but there is no medicine that will cure all of it. Remember, we talked about this. The world will always have anxiety in it. Our world is broken. 
So anxiety is a part of it. There, there will be no, well, this medicine didn't work, so I need more, so I need a heavier dose, so I need a different one. Like, yes, some of that is involved, but you can't, if you're trying to make medicine your cure-all, it won't happen. Medicine needs to be accompanied by a community and accountability and honesty and bringing your family into it. You see what I mean? There's more to it than just this medicine will fix everything. There's no way. It just won't happen. So we must make sure that medication, if used, is used as a tool and not our hope. You see what I mean? Medication is never going to be our hope. It needs to be a tool that we use to help us as we try to see Christ more clearly. So that was a lot. I know I went a long time, but that's, that's my thoughts on the take of, of should you take medicine with anxiety. What yeah, and I would agree. Uh, just another scripture verse, Romans 5, talks about rejoicing and sufferings. There's a lot of other things, yeah. but it's kind of the expectation that bad things are going to happen. Anxious things, things that cause us stress are going to be part of our life. It's what happens when those completely overwhelm us, our body's not in balance. So I, I would add, yes, I think you can take medicine. I would just tell you there are many, 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 did I say many? Kinds of medicines. If you watch uh, the or commercials, everybody's advertising for some medication. It's a, it's a major uh, money maker. So you have mm-hmm. to understand that you are a consumer and someone's trying to sell you a product. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to be wise to know um, what medication is right for you? I sound like one of those commercials. Make sure it's it right for you. I was just saying, um, in those commercials, they always either go whitewater rafting or play basketball after right. they take the medicine. Well, and like then that's what. This now is the, I get it. Now I can. Now I'm good. This is the part where I start listing all those side effects and talk really, really fast. So these side effects yeah, might yeah. include. <laughs> so what I would tell you is there are side effects for some of these medications. Yes. I, when I was working through some of this anxiety stuff, they were like, "Here, try try Zoloft, try try Prozac, try this." Well, Zoloft sent me just bonkers. I couldn't do it. It just hurt my stomach. There was too many issues. Now, it's right for another member of my family who's on an anxiety med. It worked for them, but it didn't work for me. Um, One of them, they told me, now, you have to grind out for two weeks. It'll take at least two weeks for this medicine to take effect. So some of them, there are no quick fixes here. Man, if I could just get on medication, all my problems are over. As he said, this is not what we want to put our hope in. This is a help for us to clear the cloud to allow us to focus, to be able to work through life. Uh, so the other thing I would tell you is there, what you'll do is go to a doctor, uh, your regular family doctor is where you would start, and just work through uh, a physical, or they'll maybe do some blood work just to make sure everything's okay. Uh, he may or he or she may be able to write prescriptions, certain prescriptions now based on law. They require a psychiatrist to write them, so they will refer you to a psychiatrist. Um, I go see one in Calhoun. That's where my psychiatrist is. I see him right now. I'm on about every six months is when I go in, check in. They're like, the medication's still working. You good? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Write me refills. We'll talk a little bit, and then I'm done. Uh, so that doesn't mean I'm a wacko that I go see a psychiatrist. Yeah. Some of you think I'm a wacko, but I'm not crazy. That's the point. Um, <laughs> Unimportant. You're not crazy for going to see a psychiatrist. Yes. Don't think you've lost. Yes. Oh, man, I, I, I can't manage this. i got to go see a psychiatrist. Amen. Remember, they're a doctor just like any other doctor that you go to. You get a prescription for antibiotics. You're just trying to get a prescription because your body's not responding well. Yes. So recognize the fact that there are some side effects. You may need to try a different one. Go ahead and communicate to mom and dad. This one just doesn't feel right to me. I don't like the way it makes me feel. Continue to search till you find the one that does help. Because there was mm-hmm. a medication that's like, I can think clearly. I don't feel like I'm spazzing out all the time. It really helped. It had a side effect, but the help 
was better than the side effect. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say too, let's quick rabbit trail, exactly what Brent said. You know, n- no one, if you go to the doctor because your, your arm hurts or your leg hurts, nobody thinks that's weird. But if you go to account, there's this stigma in our culture where if, you're, if, something's, if your head hurts, right, if, you're, if your spirit is hurting, if your brain is hurting, if, you're, if your self-confidence is hurting, you can't go to a doctor for that. That makes you a wacko. That makes you weird. But it's, but it's not. It, how is it that going to see a doctor for your arm is fine, but going to see a doctor for your brain makes you different? You see what I mean? And this is to, to anyone in here, even who's not going through anxiety um, or, or whatever it is, it, it doesn't hurt at all. You go to get a checkup on your body, even if you're doing fine. Why in the world would you not maybe go to get a checkup on your mind to be sure that everything's good there as well? To just talk to a professional once every few months just to see what's going on. Does that make sense? I mean, we do, you do it all the time with different people, just people that you don't pay to do it, right? So why not go see somebody? And, and again, that's not a blanket thing that I'm saying you have to do it, but like Brent said, don't put a stigma of this will make me different, this will make me bad, this will make, I have lost. That's amen to everything Brent said. It's um, exactly right. There's nothing wrong with going to see somebody. There's nothing wrong with asking for help, right? There's nothing wrong with asking for help. So um, second question. Uh, I don't really have anxiety, in quotes, but what are some ways that <laughs> but what are some ways that can help me go to sleep earlier and easier? Okay, amen to that question. All right, when you figure it out, you let me know. I'm just kidding, kind of. All right, so three quick. This will be much quicker for on my end at least. Three quick things that that will help us get to bed a little bit easier. Number one for me is to wind down earlier. I didn't sleep good. All right, what time did you go to bed? 2 a.m. Well, what, what do you want me to say to that? Like, there's nothing I can do. I just couldn't go to sleep. Yeah, like, well, and it's like, but it's like, you don't even, you don't start the process until like 1230 at night, right? And some nights you're going to have to, you're just going to have to do that for school or, or whatever. I get it. But if this is a constant, this is a daily repetitious thing, something is off, okay? And we talked about sleep last summer, and we might do it again this summer, but that, that is so huge. Your body, your body has to slow down, and, and your body's not like a light switch, right? You know that when you wake up in the morning, right? Your body doesn't just, and you're ready to go. It won't turn off like that either. If you, one of the things I would say is if you start to slow down at like 10 a.m., and you're noticing that you're struggling, you don't have to start, well, I'm going to, 7.30, I'm going to go. No, no, no. Start at 9.30, and then Two or three weeks later, go down to 9.15. Work your way. Are you yawning while I'm talking about this, Lydia? Are you, see, Lydia's doing a great job. That's what we're saying. Um, but seriously. It's also a need for oxygen, just so you know. It's that's not true. always being sleepy. It's a need for oxygen. That's right. I'll defend her. So, slow, so that's first thing is try to wind down earlier. Just 15 minutes at a time, right? Try to wind down earlier. The second one, um, this is so important to remember, too, because there are many body systems, CNN says there are many body systems that fail without sleep. Not only does our performance, memory, and attention span suffer, our immune system suffers, your endocrine system, which controls all kinds of different pieces of your body. Sleep is a huge part of your life. This is a huge part of your life. It's so important to keep that in mind. And then the last thing for me is if you have an active day and you get up early, you'll sleep better. You will not sleep well if you wake up at like 10.30 on Saturday. And I get it. Saturdays, that's your, that's your time, right? I get it. But in the summertime as well, like to get up earlier, to be active during the day, try to find something that you enjoy doing. 
Even if it's just going and hanging out with friends, like being active during the day, you have less in the tank at night and you'll go to sleep easier. So for me, it's wind down earlier and be more active during the day as best you can. Those are kind of my two things that, that are helpful. Okay. So I'll add a couple more things to that. Uh, stop doing everything in your bed except sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do your homework in your bed. Now, if you, some of you guys, when you go to college, this gets really hard because there's like no room. Mm-hmm. And so you feel like you have to do it in your bed. You need to go find somewhere else to do your homework um, or ask mom and dad for a road trip to Ikea and find a schlufenuven. And um, which that's is a desk. Be a language thing. Uh, it's a desk. That's a cool? desk. Nothing. Nothing is in English in IKEA. In case you've never been to IKEA, <laughs> it's like a. It's in a whole other world. It's a wonderland. But go get you a desk, um, so you don't have to sit in on your bed to do homework. Yep. Um, don't watch TV up on there. Ever, the only thing that happens in your bed is sleeping. It'll train your brain to oh, this is the place where I sleep. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> try to limit caffeine after 3 p.m. No more monsters, co- co- coffee, or anything after 3 p.m. That way your body can detox um, and get that off. Um, and then uh, I would encourage you to read at night. Um, we encourage Bible reading. What a great way to put yourself to sleep. I know we like, oh, I read my Bible and I fall asleep. I mean, like, like that's a bad thing. Imagine going to sleep and the last thing on your brain is meditating on God's word. Sounds like a pretty good score to me. So I would put the phone down instead of reading, playing games with your phone to wind down. About an hour before bed, put it down, be done. Um, the snaps and all that stuff will be there tomorrow, promise. And, uh, and just read. And then that'll, and the eye movements will help you relax, and then it'll eventually put you to sleep. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And again, it is. Reading is huge. Reading is so helpful for this. Um, okay, number three. What are some Bible verses I can use for when I am anxious? What are some Bible verses I can use for when I'm anxious? And I want to also recommend... One, especially when you guys come here, it may not hurt to write some of this down or jot some of it down on your phone, but also the podcast is called PVN Students. So on your podcast app, search PVN Students, and you can go back and listen to these again. But 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I think that is one of the coolest verses in the Bible because it, it doesn't say cast all your anxieties on, on God because he can handle it. We know he can, but it doesn't say that. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It doesn't appeal to God's strength. It appeals to God's love for you. You see what I mean? It appeals to how much he cares about you. The fact that he cares about you so much will help you in your anxiety. This is incredible to me. If I dwell on the fact that God cares about me long enough, it will help. I didn't say cure. It will help my anxiety. It's 1 Peter 5, 7. Psalm 139, I think it's verse 12. It says, this was a background on my phone for a while. So, well, there you go. Um, Psalm 139, 12. Even darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. So David's saying, you know, this darkness, this confusion. David's saying, even confusion, darkness, is not dark to you. What does that mean? Even confusion itself is not confusing to you. This stressful situation that I have is still in the palm of God's hand. He is in total control. And the closer I can get to Him, the more I remember that fact, the more that helps. And last one for me is the story of Joseph, right? Coat of many colors. Technicolor dream coat. The story of Joseph is Genesis 37 through the end of Genesis, right? Um, If you're looking for a place to start with your quiet time, maybe start with the story of Joseph because so much bad stuff happens to him and God is in control the whole time using it for good. And it reminds me in the bad times of my life, God is doing something. 
God is working in my life. But you're never going to think that and be like, got it, and you'll never forget. You've got to keep that thought warm in your heart by continually going back to that. So those are three that, that have been helpful for me. Um, I mentioned Philippians 4, 4 through 7. I think even Ryan included it when he preached yes. two weeks ago yeah. about rejoicing in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be evident at all. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. And let that peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. I was originally going to do one small portion of Romans 8, and I'll, and I'll give you that portion. But I went and read the whole thing of Romans 8, and I just went and said all Romans 8. Because right. it starts with, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, it starts there, and you're like, whoa. There's, I don't have to feel guilty, condemned, shamed uh, by this despair that I'm feeling, this anxiousness that I'm feeling. And you start working through there. You get into Abba Daddy. There's just some really good stuff through there. But I'll mm -hmm. end with this. Uh, Romans 8, 37 through 9, 39. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There's that loved again. Yeah. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future. I could also include neither depression nor anxiety, mm. nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God yes. that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm. Just holding on to the fact mm. on the both ends from the top, very first verse to the end. You know what? I feel like poop right now mm. but god still loves me i just got to hold on to that and i'm going to get through this because he loves me it's a grind but i got a promise i can hold on there's a little bit of hope here right now that regardless of what i think about myself god still loves me yeah that's so helpful i think we should just sit and read verses the rest of the night that's so helpful um okay number four uh this we could relate to anything but my parents get mad at me when i get anxious what should i do uh, amen, right guys? Uh, my parents get mad at me when I get anxious. What should I do? All right, three quick things. So parents get mad at you when you get anxious, right? You have an anxiety. Something's going on. Your parents, instead of maybe trying to comfort, there's more of, of the, you know what I mean? Um, so here's the first thing I would suggest. When your parents are kind of, they're not able to kind of get into your headspace and understand what's going on, the first thing I would say is respond in love to them. Um, you're, they're mad at you because they can't figure it out. You're mad at them because they're mad at you. Now it's not about anxiety anymore. Does that make sense? It's literally not about your anxiety at that point. Now it's just that you're both angry at each other. Whereas if you can respond, and not that they're not being loving, that's what we were talking about earlier, is they care about you and they can't get in there to fix it and that frustrates them. It's not that they're mad at you, it's that they're mad at the situation and you're around them while they're angry and you're the one they're talking to. You know what I mean? So this is huge. Please keep that in mind. Respond to them. If you don't respond to them in love, you now become kind of accountable for the situation as well, right? So respond in love to them. Um, number two, find, an, find another adult who speaks adult, right? So you as a kid are coming to them trying to explain the situation. It's not happening. But if you will tell an adult, like myself or Brent or one of your smart leaders, who can then talk to your parents, adult to adult, and it's not, it's not tattling, it's not, we're not going to be like, hey, I heard this is what you're doing, this, like, that's not how it'll work, but it's, hey, this is what's going on with your kid, help me, how can I help you understand, you know, let's talk through it, and it's much different. Now you've opened up a whole different way to talk about this. So find an adult who speaks adult, and number three for me is talk to them honestly and openly. Um, they don't understand, so you lash back at them. That, that's not helpful. Afterwards, and, and, but it'll happen because we're not perfect. Afterwards, you've got to talk to them honestly and openly and say, 
I just don't feel like you understand because here's what. State your case to them, right? Don't come at it sassy. Not that any of you do this, right? Sassy or attitude, right? Or angry. Brent does this all the time. Um, don't do that. And don't say like, well, my pastor said so, and you just go. That, that helps nobody. But state your case calmly and clearly and honestly and just say, this is what's happening in my head. Last Saturday when this happened to me, this is what was happening to me. And as you walk them through this, they may not even respond immediately, but I bet you next time there will be a different response. That's so helpful if you just show them the heart of, I, it, it's a way of saying I want help. So those are three things that I think will help with your parents. I'm going to say it a little bit different on the parent side. Please. Just to give you, it, I know it's hard to think the other side, but just think for a second, what are going, what's going through my parents' mind right now? So I had added things like their fear, they have a fear of failing as parents. So if you say you're weak and you're, you're hurting or something's wrong with you, some parents will look at it and go, I've messed up. Because they work so hard to elevate you so you can achieve all your dreams, all your goals, so you can get into the good college and do all And you come in and say, my life is a complete mess in my head right now. They're going to feel like I've messed up. And so to some time they react negatively because they feel like you can't tell me I've done something wrong as a parent. That's a pride problem. Okay. There's also the side that they too have anxiety and it's like, oh no, my genetics have now infiltrated my kids and their anxiety is my fault. So I'm now responsible for my kids' anxiety. So rather than seeing it as an opportunity to help and guide based on experience, it's, oh, no, what have I done? Again, pride issue. Uh, and then there's a problem of the inability to listen. We're just not a listening generation. We just are practicing culture at all. It's all about talking. When you say and we, do you mean your generation, this generation? I would say both. collectively okay, American, okay. American culture. We like to talk a lot. We've got 140 characters. We're going to tell everybody what we think, and they better like it. And that's 240 now, but you get the idea. Yeah. Um, and so some of it is we don't know how to listen. For me, if you come to me and say, uh, as a, if I'm an inexperienced parent dealing with the issue, and you say, I don't feel well, it's, okay, well, you've got to go fix it. Or, well, here's what you need to do. And so they think they know because they've been there. And supposed to what you really need, which is, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me, tell me what's going on. I'd, explain that to me. I'd, I'd like to understand more. Do you see how I, I've opened up the opportunity for you just to come in and just start sharing? There's a fear sometimes because we don't know how to handle that, so we'll just shut it off. Mm. And that'll happen sometimes just based on inexperience or fear. So if that's the case, let me give you a couple of things. One, if the word anxiety just starts spouting hot button explosions, the minute you mention the word, bah, and the, the fire starts up again, you're like, I, oh, I mentioned it was one, and, and the reaction is overreaction. Change the word. Uh, I mentioned to you last week for elementary school kids, it's my tummy hurts. Go back to that. Man, my stomach hurts. I don't know what's wrong. Lower the guard by just changing the word. Mm. So go Google synonyms for the word anxiety. Uh, just to find a different word so we're not bringing the same word up over and over again that's causing the same reaction over again because neither one of us are getting anywhere. Yeah. If you have the relationship with your parents that is healthy, uh, and I know we have a little bit of fear here that sometimes we don't think it's as healthy as, as we want it to be, but not in the heat of the moment saying, we need to talk about this, because that's not the right time. Hmm. Let cooler heads calm down, you and them both. 
And at some point go, Mom, Dad, can we sit down at the table and just talk about this? Try it once. If it fails, then we've got some plan Bs coming and some other questions, okay? But what I'm asking you to do is have a grown-up conversation to say, please listen, I have some things I need to share with you about what's going on. And have a dialogue where it's calm. It's kind of like a scheduled appointment. Don't do it while there's a hustle and bustle and they're trying to cook dinner and fold clothes and they're griping at you for not having a clean room and mm. the, just the craziness that is life. And I know for most of us that's about 90% of the time. But every now and then, thank goodness for, you know, TiVo and DVRs, we can hit pause on a TV and just look at each other on a couch or at a table and just sit down and talk. Mm. Okay, so I can, look, I will identify with those of you that don't think that's possible because I've had tried that three different times with my mom when I was in college and a little bit in high school, and it just didn't get anywhere. It just crashed and burned. And I just had to, I had to go a different, a different tactic. Mm. And so we'll talk about some tac- different ways to do that. Uh, but I want to encourage you to try to find it in the right moment. And the moment is not in the heat of the argument yeah. um, because it's not going to be helpful to either one of you because what happens in the argument is everybody's got to get louder, and it's, it's just going to get louder and louder. Mm-hmm. And it's, just, it's, it's better, and most of you know your strategy with your parents. You've got them. Mine was, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, and eventually she'd feel like she'd been heard and got in the way, and we'd walk on, uh, and everything would calm down. You've probably got something okay, okay, or, you know, whatever it is that you do. But I want you to try in a calmer moment to walk in there and have it. And I know that's scary, being the teenager, walking in and having an adult conversation. But I want you to try at least once. And we're going to give you some other options on that here in just a minute. So the big one would be try changing the word, too. That's good. That's so helpful. Uh, Let me add one spiritual one on here. I just saw. Pray for your parents. Mm -hmm. Um, Pray for soft hearts. I I still pray for... Uh, my mom and my dad, my parents were divorced when I was 31. I still pray for them, for soft hearts, for healing, mm-hmm. and for God, for them to recognize me, because they still don't quite understand it, uh, my quirkiness and some of the things. Uh, but I pray that one day we'll be able to sit down and have a conversation someday. And I know I don't have the power to do that. That's the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I'm in my 40s, and I'm still praying that. So being a teenager, the one thing that we have that we can't control is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can do things if we ask him, but we got to pray and ask him to do that. That's so helpful. Um, can you give me three easy tips? Or Yeah, can you give me three easy tips to help me with my anxiety? Um, and the last one that I have applies to what we just talked about. But one, remember anxiety is natural in a broken world, right? There, there's never going to be some big escape where it's all gone. And that's, <laughs> and that's not, that's okay. That's okay. That's not a bad thing. It's okay that... That, that it's, it's part, when you understand that it's part of what's going on, that helps. It really helps. Number two, you can tell God about every single anxiety you have. You can tell him about every, as small as you think it is, as big as you think it is. Um, a woman asked the pastor one time, can I tell God about the small things? And the pastor responded, tell me something that's not small to God. You see what I mean? Everything is small to God. What are you afraid of telling him the small things in your life? Um, you can tell anything to God. And the last one is just keep walking. Um, keep taking steps. Keep going. Um, keep taking steps to help yourself. Um, if you get nervous in class, try to help that situation, but keep going to class while you're, while you're figuring this out. Um, if it's your job, keep going to work, but, but try to find a different place to work 
and go work there instead. Don't just stop your life. Now sometimes, and I'm not talking about Sabbath or, or rest, I'm not talking about that. That's important too. But you can't just, well, I beg you not to just shut down, right? Just to leave, just to check out of, I, you know, I get nervous around people, so I'm going to quit trying to make friends, right? I get nervous when I go to church, so I'm going to quit going to church. I beg of you to keep leaning into these things and to keep, and this is what it pulls back with the parent, with the parent conversations. Your parents are not perfect. You are not perfect, right? So you're going to try these methods that Brent and I have talked about, and they're not going to go well sometimes. That's not, that's not licensed to just, well, I guess I'll just quit trying to have an honest conversation with my parents. No, 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 no. Remember, they're not perfect. You're not perfect either. Lean back in. Try again. Don't just shut down communication with your parents because they didn't get it, right? You tried it once. It didn't work. I'm done with this. No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying. Continue to lean it. Change the word. Use a different method. So remember that anxiety is natural in a broken world and sometimes good. We talked about that. You can tell God every single anxiety you have. And number three is keep walking. Keep moving. That's for me. I'm doing one of them right now. I'm up here chomping on this thing like crazy because I just, I could easily be dancing Microphone. on the stage. Well, I'm sorry. I'm chewing gum right now because I could easily be dancing on the stage and doing backflips. I mean, that's just because I got so much energy and sometimes nerves get cranked up. So I'll chew gum, uh, especially when I'll go to doctor's office, things like that, because that's what really spikes me is going to the doctor. So I'll chew gum. Um, I've worked really hard at lowering my caffeine intake. Um, I was doing three 16-ounce cups of coffee um, oh because I thought that gosh. was cool uh, <laughs> because the guy next to me could handle his coffee. Kind of like handling, never mind, uh, handling coffee. <laughs> Uh, and so I thought, well, that's what he does. And he's like, go get coffee with me. Go get coffee with me. They're one of my colleagues. And so I would do that. But the problem was my stomach, because I have a weak stomach, and my natural anxiety, I have enough energy on my own. I don't need, somebody help me with the math, 40, 38, 16, that's like 16 times 3, 48 ounces of coffee. No, 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 no. And at some of it was Starbucks, which has even higher caffeine in it than just a Folgers or, a, or community. So I've, I worked down to two, and this summer, I've, someone showed me a trick using the pure p proteins, the protein shakes, like the liquid proteins that are 30 grams of protein. Those are natural energy because it's protein. I've taken a four-ounce cup of coffee now, and then I've thrown one of those on top of it, and so my caffeine's even less, and I'm giving myself a healthy option with a ton of energy. Mm. Um, and so it's kind of like a, she calls it caramel macchiato. It's not quite got enough sugar in it for me with the pure protein. It's kind of weak on that, so add a little bit of sugar. Um, but she called it a caramel macchiato. You can if you want to, because I think she uses espresso. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing espresso, because uh, you spike and then you crash on espresso. Uh, and so for about a, you get a nice little buzz, but it doesn't last like you think it does. It, so, but that's one thing I'm worked on over the summer, so that when I get back to work, um, I, I'm lessening lessening the caffeine intake. So lowering the caffeine intake and the sugar, because I have enough natural energy. I really don't need the caffeine. It's kind of more of a, hey, it's not water. I need something else because water gets boring because I drink about a gallon of water a day. And, um, and so I just need something else. The other thing I would mention is exercise. And I know you don't have to go run half marathons like I did because I got a big brain idea that like, hey, I could be an athletic stud. Humble uh, that never yes. happens. Uh, but take a walk. Uh, if you got a pet, I have that stupid dog now, and um, I'll take it for a walk, or it walks me. We haven't quite learned the leash thing yet, but uh, I'll take it for a walk. I will start running again here in a few um, days because I'm working on some old man problems with my leg. And uh, 
so that's those are the things. Chew gum, uh, lower the caffeine, and take a walk. All right, we've got about five to seven minutes and three questions, so we gotta we gotta bounce. Um, Find the. All right, here we go. Where's the one on the parent? Let's go back to the parent talk. Um, I've got. Oh, the parent. My parents get mad at me when I get anxious. What should I do? No, we did that one already. What was yeah. the other one? Well, I've got. So this one is. How do I know if I have a bad type of anxiety that is not normal? This is a really good question. The two quick things that I would say, um, if it, if it yeah, starts to constantly impede your life, impede means stop, if it starts to constantly mess with you, right? You're going to have, you're gonna have anxiety about things. You, you are, and that's okay. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but anxiety can be good sometimes, but there's also bad anxiety, right? And you're just going to freeze up, and you're not going to be able to sing that song, or go out on stage, or you're going you're gonna to bomb that test. Like, that's going to happen. It just will at times. That's not your immediate kickback. It shouldn't be, oh my gosh, I have anxiety. I need medication. I got to talk to my parent. I got to, that, whoa, whoa, whoa. But if it's a consistent thing, this is when you need to start talking to other people about it. Notice I said talk to other people. I didn't say immediate medication, immediate emergency, whatever. You need to start bringing other people into the conversation. Um, people that can help, not just like messaging friends on Instagram, right? That's nice. That has its place. But they're not going to be able to help, right? If it's constantly impeding your life. And number two, if you are constantly missing out on friendships, group gatherings, etc. Sometimes you might get nervous, and I'm not going to go to that new place tonight because I just don't want to get in there. That's okay. That, that, that's fine. I still do that some, right? But if that's happening, if you're consistently finding yourself removing yourself from crowds, removing yourself even from just smaller groups where you have to talk to people with your mouth, like, I don't want to be involved. Again, it's a consistent thing. This is when you need to start bringing people in. So maybe consistency is the word I'm, I'm looking for there. Uh, be careful how you define normal, because I can look across this room and all of y'all look normal right now. Mm-hmm. And I can look in my own heart and go, I'm not normal, because I don't look or feel on the inside like you look on the outside right now. So be careful looking at what you think normal is, because we have to figure out what normal is, and normal is you. So spend some time learning who you are. My energy levels and my natural anxiety are a normal part of me. That is normal. I know what my level is. I know when I get above that level that I've got to be careful. So when I start screaming at Lauren or Julia or at Melissa just for little things, I start getting snippy. I know that I'm starting to creep. i got to hold it back. And so I'll go in the back room and, and get away to try to calm down, or I'll let Melissa know and go, hey, I'm, I'm cresting I'm, I'm, I'm hitting a level that I don't like right now. I'm just giving you a heads up. So she'll know not to come for the fight <laughs> or a conflict of some kind. Nice. Uh, that's the, I'm just, I try to be self-aware of this. I try to figure out when are time periods when I'm at my worst, Christmas. Um, I don't like holidays because it's a reminder of how dysfunctional my family was. Hmm. Um, where Melissa's family is still intact, mine's not, and there's a lot of tension in it. Um, and so I'm, I'm aware of the holiday seasons give me the holiday blues, and, I, and I'm, I'm aware that my normal is different than other people's normal. So it's not that I'm in need of something. It's that I realize things are just different for me, and so what can I do to manage those things? Um, and so being determining what bad is also, we all have things in our life that we wish were different. Man, I wish my anxiety different. Man, I wish my eyesight wasn't so bad. Man, I wish I had hair 
Um, you know, I wish my hands were bigger, my feet were bigger. I wish I could run faster. It's all stuff that we don't like about us. But God uniquely created you the way that you are. Learn how to love God for that and embrace it and figure out, God, why did you create me the way that you are, that way that I am, for your purpose? That's part of the discovery. Um, the other two things that I mentioned here, don't self-diagnose or search Google. Because oh, Google yeah. will tell you you got about six weeks left to live. Yes. Uh, for anything. Stub toe. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. So be aware of that. Um, tell your parents you just don't feel well and you want to go to the doctor. Or tell them you don't feel well spiritually. Something's off spiritually and you want to go talk to a pastor. And so what will happen after that point is then you can talk about the anxiety and whether or not it really is bad enough to move forward on the medication thing like we talked about. Or Ryan or Bob or even myself would love to have those conversations with you. Mm -hmm. We, with your parents, can sit down and talk. You can talk privately uh, with Ryan and and the way that he does that, especially if you're female. I'm I'm sure he's got a specific way he handles those conversations. Um, We want to have those conversations with you, hear your story, hear what's going on in your life, and then figure out what are we going to do together. How are we going to have these conversations? We want to. We kind of hinted on this, and this is where I want to camp out just a little bit longer, um, about 30 seconds. I can't talk to my parents. We've got to work past that. I didn't want to have those conversations with my parents, but I tried. We need to try. Now, Ryan can help. He's already mentioned, hey, I'll come as the other adult. We'll have adult conversations. We can go together. We can praise you on the front end. Man, I am so proud of the bravery uh, that you have, your student has shown me by having these conversations, and I wanted them to come talk to you and what we can do together because I love your kid, and I know that you love them too, and so we're letting, what we're doing is we're softening them, softening them, softening them, and doing it for you, so, and the other thing is, in that moment, they also can't overreact in front of us. Now, they're going to do a lot of <laughs> questions, and is it my fault? I promise you, one of the things your parents are going to go, is it my fault? Most parents will do that. It's a natural thing to do. But what Ryan and my job and Bob's job would be to go, this is beyond you. This is something, this is her or him, and we need to work through this together. And so I've got some options and some things that we can do together. Let's, let's work together to do that. So we want to partner with you. But the biggest thing for you is we've got to get mom and dad involved. And I know that's scary because you're worried about either you've seen them overreact already because we've already had one question. You're afraid they're going to, but we can help. Uh, Bob is very experienced in that. Ryan has gotten some training on that. Um, I have been doing this for a while, too. We can work together with you. This is not a, hey, we're answering your questions, now you go figure it out. Right. The purpose of these past three weeks has been, what can we do to help? And I've loved hearing some stories already uh, and being a part of that process with you. For sure. Um, How can you help a friend who has anxiety? So I know someone who has anxiety. What do I do? Two things for me. The fact that you have asked the question shows that you are helping. Here's what I mean by that. When the friend sees someone who cares, that is enough. Um, that you don't have hands for a lot of that. You haven't been trained, and even the trained people will tell you, like, there are just things that you, you don't have hands to fix. But the fact that you're there for them does so much. Um, this is an anxiety, but um, some of you guys know Kristen, my wife, her father passed away a couple weeks ago, a little bit unexpectedly. And I didn't, I've never been married before. I've never had a spouse who's lost one before. What in the world am I supposed to do? My dad, so, right, so my mom, her father, so my granddad, he passed away. So my dad has been in this situation. And he said, one of the biggest, biggest things you can do is just be there. Just being in the room with them will be huge. It will be so helpful. 
just to be around in it with them. And that's what I encourage you guys, and, and Brent's got a, a caveat with that that's so important, but be present with them, and that will do so much um, in terms of being a friend to someone who has anxiety. Stay healthy yourself. Right, yes. One of the hardest parts when people have just junk and their life is messy is they want to bring us into the mess, and we feel emotionally tied, like, I should feel the same emotions they do, and I should be a part of this process, and I can really save them from this. And you'll just wear yourself out emotionally. Um, You've got to be very careful on your own health. I'm a PhD in adolescent development, okay? So I know all about teenage life. I'm still going to refer. I'm just going to. I'm I'm not that good at the counseling side. I love you enough and care about you enough to get you the best possible help I can. Uh, And so you, as even a friend, should recognize that and say, I love you enough to find the best possible help. Let's go talk to a teacher, school counselor, parent, youth pastor, um, strange dude that works in the youth program as a volunteer, whatever the case may be. As long as I know who that person is. (laughs) The bald guy. Whatever (laughs) the case may be for you, just know that the best thing you can do as a friend is to get them help. And not oftentimes be the help, but be with them in that journey. Right. Um, Last question. Uh, what does depression, phobias, PTSD, w- where does that fit into this conversation? Um, I would say, personally, I would say a lot of it is very similar. Um, a lot, it all, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of it needs to be helped in terms of like community is still helpful. Um, honesty is still helpful. Bringing your parents in on the conversation and, and experienced adults is still helpful. And at the same time, phobias, PTSD, depression, there are parts of that that we don't have hands to fix, so medication may have a very helpful role to play in there, but I would not want you to go there first. I would want you to go through people who know, and then that way you know you're getting what you need in terms of medically or otherwise. So I think they're very related, mm-hmm. and I think they have some of, the same, um, some of the same helps, I would say. Yeah, and again, I would say don't self-diagnose. Let yes. The doctors will ask you questions. And then those questions will help them through a process of helping you determine course of action, treatments, behavior modifications, those kinds of things. Yes. Um.